And you're back with Encounter with God here on Faith FM And Lawson is about to give us the next clue for the quiz Yes, I am The quiz goes a little bit slower these mornings With mm. uh, Mon interfering with our broadcast yep. Classic so, Mon Yeah, blame Mon The, the M factor <laughs> The M factor kicking in there And just uh, getting in the way of Hashtag blame Mon Yeah, that's right <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is her fault Right, that so means, to it. It you know what that fault. means? What? That we do a double clue Indeed, run we slow, we do a double clue. Here we oh, okay. go. Okay. All right. It almost has a flow to it. Okay, this is a what book am I quiz. We mm-hmm. gave a clue already. But I don't want to re- I don't want to cla- repeat it. It speaks I, about it talks about Boegenes. Boegenes. Yes. Yep. Okay. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have sorted the we have sorted the uh, pronunciation. We just made it up. Okay. Sweet. Next. Oh, we were confident. Next next clue. Next clue. You ready? Yes. This book tells us that after his resurrection, Jesus appeared in a different form to two men walking in the country. Ooh, do you know who that is, Lyle? Ooh. Ooh. Piece of paper and write Ooh. down an answer. Ooh, ooh, uh, uh, and you're, you're incorrect. Yeah, I just realized that's a trick clue. That's a trick. Now, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Another mm-hmm. quote. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Yeah, now I know the answer. Well, I, I, yeah. I can give another no, no, one. No, 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 yes, no, no. It's still because double bright. Clue. Oh, whatever. Clue. Whatever. Uh, whatever. You don't know who I'll, it is. I'll leave, I'll leave it open. I'll you leave don't it open. know. Okay, so double prizes are still up for grabs. If you know where any of these come from, which I'll book? I'll leave it open for the next It's already, you know, there's 66 books, and it talks about Jesus specifically with the name Jesus. So that's, you're already cutting out 33. Like, you're in the New Testament. That's a clue right there. Look. Just, just, just go it. Just have a, have a shot. Give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three. You will get double prizes. Okay, so moving on with today's show, we are into our encounter with God. Yes. Here. We are studying the Book of Revelation. We're studying this particular prophecy about the prophetic rise of Islam, mm-hmm. and we were particularly focusing on the five month. Prophecy. Yes. So we use the day for year principle, mm-hmm. and using the day for year principle, there are a, a number of identifying characteristics that give us clues to when this prophecy begins. Mm-hmm. Those characteristics are that basically your uh, Islamic tribes will be united under a king, number mm-hmm. one. They will have a single ruler over them or a caliphate or a sultan yep. or whatever you want to, whatever form of government you want to call it. So they're going to be politically united. And number two, what we're going to find is that uh, not only they're just politically united, but they are also attacking the Eastern Roman Empire. They're hurting mm-hmm. the Eastern Roman Empire because during this period they hurt the Eastern Roman Empire without destroying it. Mm. Okay, and what we find is that the Ottoman Empire was the first empire to uh, politically unite uh, Islam, Mm. and that their first attack on Eastern Rome, the crossing of the border, took place on the 27th of July, 1299. We're coming into a period of history now where records are kept more accurately, and so we know exactly when this took place. Wow. Then you have 150 years, the Bible says, during which they would be able to hurt, but not destroy the Eastern Roman Empire. Yes. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the history of how they actually uh, do destroy the Eastern Roman Empire. Um, 
um, here in just a moment. And one of the things that we're going to look at. Okay, so maybe I should do. Should I talk about this now or later? Make this is going to be fun. This is going to be heaps of fun. Uh, let me just uh, let me just look up something here real quick. Yeah, yeah, you're looking over my shoulder. <laughs> Let's. Um, you're looking over my shoulder. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. It's right. coming. It's All coming. Right. It's coming. Yeah. It's um, go I'm detail, like, so. you know what? This is just built up so much that this. Possibly might be the best thing you've ever shared on radio. There you go. All right, so let's go to Revelation <laughs> chapter nine. Revelation chapter nine, and yep. I'm going to get you to read a, a verse or two here. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse eleven and twelve, please. Okay, because Revelation. Here's where, here's where you get the change takes place, because under the sixth trumpet that hurt but not kill. Mm. Sorry, under the fifth trumpet, under the sixth trumpet that all changes. Yes. Okay, so eleven and twelve of Revelation chapter nine says. Their king is the angel from the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. 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 And in Greek, Apollyon. Apollyon. The destroyer. The first terror is past, but look. Struggling here this morning? Wow. The first terror is past, but look, two more terrors are coming. Okay. Um, I'm going to share something here from my Bible, which makes this just a tad more specific. Okay. But Abaddon and Apollyon are two words that simply mean destroyer. They're, they're yep. basically the same yep. name yep. In, in different languages. And we're going to have a lot of destruction taking place mm-hmm. um, as this prophecy proceeds. And so we've got this five-year period, this 150-year period, I should say, five-month period, um, <coughs> during which they hurt but do not destroy. And as we mentioned yesterday, when you come to the the end of this, you come to the year 1449, and it was in the year 1449 that John Paleologus, mm-hmm. um, who was the emperor at that time, died. His brother Constantine the Thirteenth came to the throne. But before he did, he asked the reigning Ottoman sultan, whose name was Amarath, um, he asked him for permission to take the throne. Oh, wow. And so basically what you've got here, and this is important to remember Mm. because it's going to become important as to what takes place some years later. Yeah. This is not a military takeover that you would expect. Mm. You would expect a military takeover to happen in 1449 and for the Ottoman Empire just to come in and to crush the Byzantine Empire and it's Mm. all over and done Mm -hmm. with and finished and gone. That's not what happens. This is a bloodless transfer of sovereignty. Wow. Yeah. So you think about it. If you are asking another nation permission to rule, which nation is ruling? The other nation. The other nation. That's kind of obvious, right? And uh, that's what takes place in 1449. But that's not the end of the story. Mm. Because under the sixth trumpet, things get really, really hectic. Yep. And uh, under the sixth trumpet, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some really cool stuff anyway. Okay, right. here we go. So uh, here we go. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, by the way, in uh, uh, verse twelve, it says, "One woe is past, and behold, there come two more woes hereafter." The word "hereafter" simply means starting from this point. Mm-hmm. So the last one has ended in fourteen forty nine at the end of that one hundred and fifty year period. Yep. From that point. That is your starting point for the next trumpet. Okay. 
Let's okay. let's do it. Let's read yep. some verses in Revelation chapter 9 and verse 13. The Bible says, Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice speaking from the four horns of the gold altar that stands in the presence of God. Okay, this is significant. Mm-hmm. I want you to notice the, the sanctuary context that yep. is coming through here. This is sanctuary language yep. that is yep. being used, and the context of the sanctuary is in the holy place, mm. not the most holy place. So we know that when this statement is made, it certainly may be much closer to the end of time than what, you know, obviously the previous trumpets were, but it still has not come past the judgment. Yes. There are those who will try and take the trumpets and put them right down at the very end of time. That's an impossibility because at the very end of time, the judgment is already in process. Yeah. And the sanctuary context for the judgment is always the most, most holy, holy place, place and never the holy place. So you've got mm. a holy place context right here just to remind us, no, you have not passed the time of the judgment yet. Okay, next verse, please. Okay, Bible says in verse 14, And the voice said to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great Euphrates River. Okay, so we talked about stars and what mm. stars symbolize and angels and what angels symbolize yep. in the context of this prophecy, symbolizing leaders. Uh, what do we have here? Four angels from where? Um, each side of the Euphrates, I could say. Yeah, from each side of the Euphrates. And basically, that's exactly what you're going to find when you look at the old, the Ottoman Empire. It was divided up between four sultanies oh, wow. in Aleppo, Iconium, Baghdad, and Damascus. <laughs> Just as the prophecy said. And so, always so something new to melt your brain with. I think for me, like, I, I'm relatively familiar with some of the chapters of Revelation, but this stuff is just, just blowing my mind. This is awesome. Yeah, it's a cool chapter. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so I want you to notice that we are introduced here to another time prophecy as well. Mm. How long is this time prophecy? This time prophecy is... Uh, the voice... Oh, verse 15. Verse 15. We, yeah, we hadn't even read it yet. Ready I'm, yet. Like, I'm like... There's another one I'm here? Like, what is Lyle doing? Whoa. <laughs> messing with my head. Okay. Here we go. No, it was my bad. Verse 15. Then the four angels who had been prepared for this hour and day and month and year were turned loose to kill one-third of all the people on the earth. Okay, so here, notice how the language changes from uh, from hurting to killing. Yeah. So you're the end of the Roman Empire here. It is done now. It is done, yep, yep. finished, dusted, over, gone, forever. And how long is the time prophecy here? It's uh, been prepared for this hour um, and day and month and year. Okay, so... How many days in a biblical year? 360. And how many days in a biblical month? 30. And how many days in a biblical day? One. (laughs) (laughs) And if you were to use the day for your principle and uh, take an hour as a portion of a day, how many days would that come to? Oh, whoa, whoa. So it's... 15 days, just tell me. 15 days. Okay, so is that like 365 divided in 24? What it gives you is a total of 391 years and 15 days. That's a very specific prophecy, wouldn't you yeah. say? Yeah. A really, <laughs> really, really, really specific, specific prophecy. And you've got to remember that this prophecy began 150 years beforehand mm-hmm. on the 27th of July, 1299. It's now going to end on the 11th of August, 1840. 
That's like super specific. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but we need to go back and we need to look at more of the history of the fall of the Eastern Roman Empire mm-hmm. and some of the details. And one of the things that one of the things that I like about this prophecy is that I think it's going to appeal to men. Yep. You know why? Why? Because we men are very, very simple creatures. Yeah. We are easily entertained. Have you ever Agreed. noticed have you ever noticed how that men can be entertained just by Sounds like loud sounds, like yeah. the roar of a V eight, the howl of a motorbike engine, you know, a someone shooting a going gun, off, yeah. you know, something like that. You, you can't, you just can't not like sounds. Yeah, fully, certain, certain sounds, you know, a, a, a radial engine, a massive radial so engine on the on the on the on a, on a, on a, on a um, you know one of these old school World War Two aeroplanes, yep, yep. you know. A, a double row, sixteen, you know, cylinder. <laughs> They're awesome sounds, right? Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so this is going to have uh, lots of sounds in it. Um, we men are also entertained by bright things and explosions. Yeah, fully. That makes sense. You know, nearly all men that I know, no, not all, but most of the men I know, totally like just blowing stuff up. It is so incredibly satisfying. It's so funny. The pastor that I'm working under at the moment, we t- one of my friends got, uh, one of my friends uh, got married recently. We were t- saying like, oh, what what will we do for a bachelor party? And he's like, well, I don't know. My favorite thing's just blowing stuff up. <laughs> didn't end up having a bachelor party, but he's just like, you know, that's what I did on my bachelor party. A lot of my friends' bachelor parties, you just went into a paddock and blew stuff up. <laughs> so I was like... Sweet. Of course, they weren't in Australia. They were probably in the States at the time. But yeah, this is just hilarious. It's just so funny. <laughs> but it's true. It's, yeah. it's so satisfying to men. We are we are simple creatures. You know, when, 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 he, when we go to the fireworks, we enjoy fireworks for a number of reasons. Number one, they make big, loud yep, explosions. Yep. And number two, stuff is being blown up. Yeah. When my wife goes to the fireworks, it's because they're so pretty and there's all these lights like in the colors sky. And, and, like, stuff. and we're like, look at that. Oh, man, that Don't was such just a wait. massive explosion. You, you wait that? for that. Wouldn't you have loved to have stuck that under an ant's nest somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> you wait for that big one that, like, rocks you, you know, and it's like the boom is, like, so, like, bassy and thunderous uh-huh, that it's uh-huh, like, uh-huh, you can it feel it in your chest. chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> okay, so Lawson and I are on the same page. I know there's so many out there are scratching their heads and going, what are they on about? But, hey, there's a, there's a significant portion of the male population that is like yeah okay so this is uh, <laughs> this this sets us up for this this next passage right <clears throat> um, would you like to read for us okay verse 16 and 16 17 and 18 all right the bible says in revelation chapter 9 verse 16 17 and 18 i heard the size of their army which was 200 million mounted troops <laughs> And in my vision, I saw the horses and the riders sitting on them. The riders wore armor that was fiery red and dark and blue and yellow. The horses had heads like lions and fire and smoke and burning sulfur billowed from their mouths. One third of all the people on earth were killed by these three plagues, by the fire and smoke and burning sulfur that came from the mouths of their horses. Okay, so here you've got some very graphic and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Language, that's, don't you? Oh, that's wild. There's full-on stuff happening right here. Okay, so let me tell you about how uh, um, Eastern Rome eventually fell. 
Okay. Um, it certainly had a change of sovereignty um, under Constantine the Thirteenth, and the sovereignty passed to the Ottoman Empire. But after Amrath died, you had Muhammad II who came to power, who was a very, very different personality. He had a massive ego, Mm -hmm. and he was not content to have uh, an emperor of any kind sitting there in in Constantinople. Mm. Um, that That was just, you know, unacceptable to him. And so he raised an army. In my Bible, it does. It, it simply says um, it says the number of them were two hundred thousand thousand because the original Greek here is actually non-specific. It's just meaning yeah. a very very large number. Um, and once again, using uh, a military force that was almost exclusively cavalry. Mm. Uh, he attacks and lays siege to the city of Constantinople. Now, this was a bold enterprise because, you know, this is a city that had stood um, attacks for centuries, for mm. 1,100 years. No one had ever breached the walls of Constantinople. It was incredibly powerfully defended. And for the last 1,100 years, all of the all that the Roman Empire had to do was just uh, enclose itself within the walls, and it knew it would be safe because nobody could get in there. Mm. But it's very cool what happened because, uh, you know, Muhammad II, he's got this big ego, and he's like, yeah, no, you know what, I'm going to go and sit on that throne myself. Um, I'm going to change how, uh, how things take place there in Constantinople. And so, um, you know, he's laid siege to the place, trying to figure out a way to get in. Now, inside the city, the emperor inside the city was making some policy decisions, and as often happens, you can offend some people. And he offended, deeply, deeply offended one of his subjects one day. Mm. Um, So much so that that particular subject bailed out over the walls and defected to the camp of Muhammad II. Yeah. That's just one individual who cares, really. Mm. What's he going to do? Yeah. Well. Well, it so turns out that he had a very unique skill set. Oh. Yes. He had some acquired skills. He he had some acquired skills of a very unique nature. Oh. What is that? And rumors started to flow around in the camp of Muhammad II, and Muhammad II called him into his tent to ask him about his skill set. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that he was what they called in the ancient times a founder of canon. Do you know what a founder of canon is? This is somebody who makes canons, who operates a foundry to make canons. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Now, this was brand new cutting edge technology in 1453. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, this was something that, uh, you know, um, it was just, you know, and, and, and so Muhammad II is like, canst thou found me a cannon big enough to bring down the walls of Constantinople? Mm. And they actually built the largest guns that have ever existed on planet Earth, ever. Like after? Like there has never existed guns with bore, with a bore four feet across since wow. then. 1,200 millimeters across. <laughs> 1.2 meters across the bore. <laughs> no gun with a bore that big has ever existed since that time. That is just time. ginormous. As I said, Muhammad II had a big ego. Yeah. He had a massive ego. They built 14 batteries of these things, lined them up around the city of uh, Constantinople, and it would take them days to load them, literally take them days to load them. Yep. They couldn't make cannonballs that big. They're just using big rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Load them, you know, crane. They had a whole system of cranes and pulleys 
rulers and winches and all this kind of things. And uh, but uh, Muhammad the second, being Muhammad the second, used to like to wait until they were all loaded and then fire them all at once. That's amazing. And in a very short space of time, the, the walls of the city of Constantinople fell. They were crushed. They'd stood for 1,100 years. They fell in a month, just like that. Anyway, more amazing history after we have Ben and Noel.
Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia in 87.6, 87.8, or 88, or on the internet, or, you know... On the app. On the app. You're just listening and all over the place. And we love wherever you're listening from. Lyle might love you a little bit more, depending on where you're listening from, um, because he now, really given, likes I it. I have given you lots of, lots of chances for double prizes this morning, mm-hmm. but those are over. Okay. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Lyle, why do you just got to ruin everything? Why? We could have had double prizes and then you just I have, have to- I have. I have. It is 8.29 in the morning. Double prizes have been available since 7.03. Still lame. That's, that's, that's just, you know, that's just heaps of uh, opportunity. <sighs> Whatever. Anyway, what book am I? What book am I? If you know what All the right. uh, answer to this one is, 1-800-324-843 is the number to call. So- I have to give another, another, clue. another clue. Okay, here we go. Luke and I are the only two Gospels to record Jesus' ascension to, into heaven. Okay, there you go. That narrows it down. You now know that it is one of three. There are four Gospels. Yeah. It is not Luke. No. That's one of three. Bam. There you go. Give All us right. a call. Yeah, you've got a one in three chance of uh, getting a prize. Okay, so we were talking about some amazing history here a moment ago. Mm. Uh, we were talking, talking about, about how the cannons. 1453 and the attack of Muhammad II on, uh, and we're talking about cannons and loud noises, mm. explosions and blowing stuff up and um, the cool factor. Of course, there's a tragic factor to this as well that mm. we, we, we should not forget and that many, many people lost their lives. Yeah. And so I am a big supporter of... Um, um, <clears throat> I'm a big supporter of fireworks and I love big cannons when they go off and they fire blanks and powder and smoke and flames come out of them. It's the best. I just yep. love it. Yep, yep. As long as they're firing blanks and it's for a historical occasion, that's great. But let's not go firing these things at each other. We do not want to support death or war or bloodshed mm, in fully. any way, shape or form. However... Very short space of time, and the city falls, and it belongs to Muhammad II. That is the final extinction of Eastern Rome well. taking place right there. Now, let's look at the uh, specifications of the prophecy. There are a number of different specifications, and I want to point those out to you, highlight them. Uh, number one is that this would be a large force of cavalry, which mm-hmm. it was. Number three, number two, it gives the uh, um, the, the, the color of their uniforms as uh, red, uh, blue and yellow, mm-hmm. which it was. Um, and was that number two or number three? Um, that was number two. Number two. Okay, and number three, you'll find that the empire was killed by fire and smoke and sulfur. Okay. Have you ever had much to do with black powder? Because they were using black powder in those days. The no. primary ingredient ingredient of black powder, the part when when black powder goes off... When it, when it explodes, the thing that you smell, because mm. it has a unique smell to it, yep. is the burning sulfur. Mm. So, sulfur, charcoal, and saltpeter. We won't give you the um, ratio here this morning. <laughs> Do not try and make this at home. Yeah. Um, but those are your ingredients for black powder. It's a very, fairly simple uh, um, substance. Mm-hmm. To make, if you've got those three three substances, you can make black powder. And when it when it explodes, you get a flame, you get a huge cloud of smoke, a massive flame, and the strong stench of sulfur, mm. burnt sulfur. And that's exactly what John describes here: a huge flash of flame, a cloud of smoke, and the stench of sulfur. Mm. 
This is a depiction of how Eastern Rome came to an end in probably the most um, accurate way that you can even begin to imagine. Yes, but did the sulfur come from horses' mouths? This is a very valid question. There are a number of parts to the prophecy that um, people would question in Mm. relationship to that. One way of looking at it is like this. If you were the Apostle John Mm -hmm. and you launched him out into the future... And he arrived here in this day and then went back. We we, we toured him around Newcastle, took him a flight up to the Gold Coast and back. We've used this illustration a couple of times before. Um, Showed him the kind of, uh, you know, social media and information technology that we're using, explained it to him and then told him to go back and to write about it in his day. Mm. Then how do you actually describe that? Yeah. Okay, so you describe what you see, maybe is even seeing it in vision from a distance, and uh, you've got a large cavalry force here, you've got the colours of the uniforms described and so forth, but then you've got these clouds of, you know, fire and smoke and brimstone. Where's this all coming from? Yeah. Well, of course, uh, the only power that was known in John's day was muscle power. Mm. That was that was it. You didn't have steam power. You didn't have gunpowder power. You didn't have you know petrol power. Any of those kind of powers, mm. muscle power, and it was where it came from. And so he's like, okay, we've got a we've got a cavalry cavalry force here, and, and I'm speculating here. Yeah, um, this is what he's seeing, and this is the way he chooses to, to describe it. Mm. So, but be that as it may, there's no one going to question that it was um, fire and sulfur and smoke that brought down the walls of Constantinople and brought an end to the Roman Empire. Yeah, and I think when you talk about, you know, the corroborating signs all going together, plus the time period, you know, the specific okay, the time period, is The time period, we have not finished. Yeah. And we haven't actually nailed that down yet because this... Time period was to last for 391 years and 15 days. This time period began with the end of the 150 years that finished in 1449 with a bloodless transfer of sovereignty. Mm -hmm. We would then expect in 391 years and 15 days later to have once again a bloodless transfer of sovereignty, this time not to the Ottoman Empire, but away from the Ottoman Empire. Yeah. Now, of course, in the lead up to August 11, 1840, there were many Bible students around the world studying the time prophecies of the Bible. Uh, they'd been particularly focusing on Daniel 8.14, which is the 2,300-day prophecy. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but as a result of that, they decided to study this one as well, and they all noted that it came to an end on the 11th of August, 1840. Mm. And they began to preach that this will come to an end on the 11th of August, 1840. Well, here's a little bit of history that will fascinate you. Okay, here we go. So, in 1838, um, Muhammad Ali, who was the Pasha of Egypt, Mm -hmm. part of the Ottoman Empire, uh, rebels, breaks free, and declares war on the Ottoman Empire. Um, In 1839, he basically destroys the Ottoman army. (laughs) Hectic. Sinks their fleet. Mm. They're left with two, two first rates and three frigates left. You know, that's it. That, they're, they're done. Yep. He is waiting for the summer so that he can finish them off. Mm. At this particular time, there was a Christian coalition put together by England, Russia, Prussia, and Austria. And they're like, yeah, you know what? We're not so keen on Muhammad Ali, the Pasha of Egypt. Uh, we actually prefer the Ottoman Sultan. Yep. 
And we don't want to see Muhammad Ali. He's a bit of a hothead, a uh, bit of a terrorist. We don't want to see him uh, taking over the entire empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they decide, and of course, England, Russia, Prussia, and Austria, these are like the biggest military powers. In, these are world, four world superpowers mm-hmm. at this time. And when you get four world superpowers that combine forces, you're going to take notice. Yeah, fully. Anyway, uh, to cut a long story short, for the Ottoman uh, for the Ottoman um, to Sultan to stay in power, he had to place his sovereignty in the hands of this Christian coalition. And what you have on the happening on the eleventh of August, eighteen forty, is once again a voluntary submission of sovereignty uh, that takes place on that day by the the, the, the Ottoman Sultan uh, to the Christian coalition um, and it is fulfilled on the very day. A thousand atheists gave their lives to God. In the silence of heaven, angels wait as the prayers of saints ascend with the seven last trumpets trembling in their hands. Angel fills up the censer
to Faith FM, positively different radio. Happy Hearts is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5, designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happy hearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy hearts, free fun for kids and the mess stays with us.
Welcome back, everybody. That was Alison Brooke, if not for his love, here on Faith FM as we get stuck into the question of the day. All right. All right, so Lawson, hit us with question of the day. Okay, ready? Today. Yes. Okay, question of the day. Did God deceive believers in the 1844 Great Disappointment? You know, I'm not so much worried about the Great Disappointment of 1844 as I am about the Great Disappointment of AD 31. Okay, so let's go back and think about the great disappointment of AD 31. What was God doing here? I mean, let's think about it. Here you've got, you know, Jesus sends the disciples out with this message, you know, go and preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They knew in their hearts, they knew, you know, according to their religion, that that meant that Jesus was about to proclaim himself as the Messiah and to, you know, gain a victory over the Romans and establish the Jewish empire on earth. And so this is the message that they're going to go out and to tell everybody, you know, the Messiah has arrived. He is here. His name is Jesus Christ. Um, this, of course, was based on prophecy. So they're taking a message out that is based on prophecy that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They're using the prophecies of the Bible to explain the message that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, they make a mistake in that they apply a literal application to a symbolic prophecy. So when the Bible talks about a sword that comes out of Israel, it's not out of Judah, it's not talking about an emperor, it's talking about Jesus Christ, the Word of God. And of course, you know, the sword that comes out of his mouth is a common symbolism that you find through the New Testament. And so they made a mistake here, and the question that goes through my mind is this, why didn't Jesus correct them? Why didn't Jesus say, hey, wait, 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 slow down a little bit, guys. When you're preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand, there's a few more details you need to know in relationship to this. Okay, so the other big mistake that they made was they misunderstood the daily service of the sanctuary. The daily service of the sanctuary was the sacrifice of the lamb. You know, John proclaimed Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But they had no understanding of the daily service of the sanctuary. And because of these two things, a literal application to a symbolic prophecy and a misunderstanding of the daily service of the sanctuary and therefore a misunderstanding of Christ's heavenly ministry, they had an epic, epic disappointment when Jesus died on Calvary. This was the, a, a greater disappointment, far greater than the one of 1844. And that's the one that should confer, concern us the most because that one is the foundation of Christianity. Now you might wonder, why did Jesus do that? Well, the answer is very simple. A couple of days before he died, you find Jesus riding into Jerusalem um, on a donkey. Uh, it's called the Triumphal Entry, and almost the entire population turns out to celebrate Jesus as the Messiah. A few days later, you have almost that same entire population calling out, crucify him, crucify him. Now, if, if, if we had been there and we had seen the big turnout that Jesus had when he had the triumphal entry, we would have said, okay, this is great. This is a great way to launch the Christian church. Let's launch from here. But Jesus looks at it and goes, no, this is a terrible, terrible idea to launch the Christian church based on this. I need people who are not swept along by the current current of excitement but instead are convinced of the Word of God who will trust the Word of God even when everything that their senses is telling them is telling them that, that, that they are wrong. So how does he go away clearing out and differentiating, differentiating between those who have a solid foundation and those who don't? Well, the answer is very simple. You have a great disappointment. 
And what that is going to do is all of the chaff, all of the worthless people who are just, you know, following on just in case kind of people, the insurance Christians and so forth, they just disappear. And only the solid, the rock solid core of 120 people that get together in the upper room, that becomes the foundation of the Christian church. And from those 120 people, the gospel goes to the whole world in that generation. And that's exactly the same thing that Jesus is doing in 1844. It's a direct repeat. Kingdom of Heaven is at hand is the message based on prophecy. Applied a literal application to a symbolic prophecy, misunderstood the yearly service of the sanctuary and misunderstood Christ's heavenly ministry. Exactly the same same thing taking place with exactly the same result. And of course, in both instances, you have two men who are returning from a meeting of disappointed disciples. One of them is named as the leader. Jesus appears and explains the daily service of the sanctuary and the Christian church is founded on a mistake. This is for Nanda Ortega, Saviour like a shepherd, lead us. That was Fernando Ortega with Saviour Like a Shepherd Lead Us. I'm just looking at it. For some reason, it's still playing. What's yeah, up with that? I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Yeah. It's like it says there's an extra 30 seconds of the song that's just playing down now, but it's we're not, into it's our not segment. Anyway, well. that's okay. We are here and we are ready to give something away. We have been talking about... Uh, loud things and explosions and blowing things up and all that kind of thing. And so our giveaway today is called The Ultimate Race. 
<laughs> because, uh, of course, um, Lawson here is just um, drooling over this book because he is a <laughs> racer by profession. Motorbike racer. <laughs> he used to be. Used to be. He's now a in a much better profession, teaching yes. people about Jesus. Praise God. This is called The Ultimate Race, otherwise known as Steps to Jesus by Ellen White, a uh, all-time classic uh, on how to have a relationship with Jesus mm. Christ. And if you are struggling in your relationship, or if you don't even, even know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, if you'd like to know more about that, then this is probably the best book that you can get on the subject. It has been translated into like 150 or 200 different languages. I don't even know how many languages so far has been reprinted millions and millions mm. of times around the world. This is an all-time classic, one of the greatest books that you'll ever come across on how to have a relationship with Jesus, and it is yours free. Give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number, or text us on 0491-064-669. Be the first caller through, and this one is yours. Yeah. Dude, so good. I've had fun. I've learned some things today. I've like, we've been getting into this study in Revelation and just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and more specific. Like, this is the thing that just blows my mind. You know, the Bible isn't just full of vague themes and vague prophecies. Like, it's just, just amazing, amazing stuff. But of course, we'll be talking about all this stuff tomorrow. See you then.
Thank mm-hmm. you.